0: Hear the world calling, but son, don't you listen? They're only trying to drag you back into
1: prison. right. Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jenkovic. I'm Becca Merkel. We're behind the Goodwill. <laughs> A late night stop to podcast. Not that late. We'll Feels We're just late.
0: It's like seven something.
1: It feels late because we live in the far north where the sun sets early in the winterish yeah. times. And we haven't even hit daylight savings, at which time it really gets us. And I just
0: finished shoveling out a lot of soup and a lot of college freshmen. And I realized to myself that next week I'm going to have to fry a solid 10 pounds of chorizo if I was going to make that soup. Well, I'm not going to make it next week, but, you know, like in a couple months when I make this soup again. Scale it up. It's going to have to be 10 pounds I did, or 11 even. I mean, I did 9 pounds I fried of chorizo, but they killed
1: it. Totally killed that pot of soup. Yeah, you could also just do another extra 4 pounds of lentils in there. That would slow them it down. Would <laughs> it would <laughs> slow them down between sausage bites. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of lentils I was it thinking
1: is. with the Soup Night, because we have a lot of listeners, or I wouldn't say a lot, but because we have listeners who have told us that they have been inspired to also do Soup Nights, uh-huh. that I feel like we need to create either a page for sharing Soup Night menus and tips and mm, bulk yeah. cooking ideas, yeah. or a hashtag or something so you can find it. A hashtag is a better idea. A I hashtag think. so that you can link up your recipes and tell us what you made and share the dates.
0: Well if we remember ever again that we said this we'll post it somewhere.
1: Well I did last week I made the thing that's sort of a I do something wrong about it that keeps it from being a Jankovic family classic but I don't know what that thing is that I do that's wrong because there is a it's just chicken noodle soup but it was a chicken soup from you know that The methodology harkens back into the family in the way that someone did it with the little like drop noodles that are called something that I have no idea how they are how you say what they're called I think it's like kadidlna or something it's a funny little it's like an egg and flour little noodle dumpling thing I'll just say
0: that that method has never worked for me to be a magical
1: substance at the end but <laughs> I I actually make the soup without that more often and then serve it on mashed potatoes. Now like if you make I do that but I just put noodles in it and then still put it over mashed yeah, potatoes. Yeah but I don't put I don't ever put a noodle that's not that kind in it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I so do. I don't do other noodles. Whatever the case it's a good chicken noodle soup. And then I serve it over mashed potatoes which is I think comes from someone, but I do something wrong, like there was a version where they didn't put carrots in it or something, and they put it on, I don't know. However, it's sort of, it is a gesture at a family recipe that I married into, so it's very good, but that's what I made last week, and then we ran out of it, which was it was it was <laughs> it was like the one week at parish group that everyone came to the one time when I felt like I was not clear that I had enough food at this party. <laughs> and so and as people on, are as people are coming in, you're like, oh man, oh man, how much is left in the bottom of the Dutch oven for this person? And then, mm-hmm. but it worked out. Nobody really cares. Nobody wrote letters of complaint. No, nobody minds. They're all nice people. I'm ready after to all. roll with it. -hmm. Yeah. And then tomorrow Tomorrow, I'm making red beans and rice.
0: Oh.
1: Which is not a soup. No. But I just felt I would do that instead tomorrow. Yeah. Because why not? And guys, guys, big news, big news. I have been using the new, to me, not new to anyone else, probably, French slap and fold technique with my sourdough dough. And it is blessing my heart. It You're is... going to need
0: to post your video of it.
1: Yeah, it's Did you really... Already? No, but it's so satisfying for because the tartine... It, it looks therapeutic, guys. I've not tried it, but I've seen Rachel's video. <laughs> it looks my like a good... therapeutic yeah. French slap and fold bread technique. But the, it's like a way to knead dough that's too wet to knead without adding more flour. And my... The sourdough that I make is... is um, the tartine recipe is 75% hydration. So it is uh, wet. You know, it's wet. So you want to develop the gluten without um, adding a lot of flour and making it tough. So anyways, this technique is really blessing my socks off. So whether or not it really does great things for the end result of the bread, I don't even care because I like doing it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so like a, there's something really good. therapeutic that goes on in that activity yeah. so yeah, yeah. So anyways we be doing that
0: we should talk about okay. something nope nothing to, we I'm, got nothing I'm starting to space
1: <clears throat> off I feel like <laughs> if maybe if we get tired <laughs> too tired to podcast maybe we can just watch Benji what <laughs> I think Benji might be in the DVD <laughs> My car. What? <laughs> we have a DVD. What about have...
0: the weirdest thing you could have pulled
1: out? I loved Benji as a child. I remember that about loved you. Loved it. I loved it. I, I Benji. Never was
0: really taken with Benji. I'm still well, not. The
1: thing that kills me about <laughs> it is that. Somehow we came upon the DVD of Benji and turned it on in the car. And we don't usually use the DVD in the car. We generally just don't yeah. have anything to do with it. So the only DVD that's been in this car is Benji. And it's been <laughs> in there for like a lifetime. And it's so funny because I haven't seen it since I was a child. I've only listened to oh, it. And funny. it's jazzy music. Th- and it's pretty that's funny. it's really funny. It's like Benji... Running through the field somewhere to some amazing <laughs> '80s music. <laughs> <laughs> this is, it's pretty good. Oh, it's it's well worth a listen, just on the soundtrack. I so. feel like the '80s soundtracks,
0: you know, probably. You're thinking at, Lady Hawk. I am thinking specifically
1: of Lady Hawk. Lady Hawk was a well is done. It, is it
0: time for us to just give a tip and wrap it up? Because if so. Lady Hawk would be my tip. It's amazingly funny.
1: (laughs) Lady Hawk is a good, it's a worthwhile. Well,
0: it's so epic when you watch it now with not an 80s sensibility.
1: It's amazing. The music is incredible. (laughs) (laughs) It's like like someone galloping on a horse through the tundra of. It's like a sweeping medieval sort of an epic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a synthesizer. And it's so
0: good. And those like those synthesizer drums <laughs> happening in the back. It's
1: a... <laughs> But at the at the time in our childhood it was yeah, amazing. It was and incredible. That, that we keep our kids uh, consumption so low on actually currently cool things that our kids I think still think it's pretty great. Yeah, we not are... ironically, I don't think that they feel ironic about
0: They it. just haven't noticed that
1: synthesizers aren't. Well, the older kids I'm sure have noticed, but it's not like they're watching Um, all, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like. Anyways, funny. Okay, Becca, we had some questions, and like a good podcaster, I made a list that on a my phone podcaster. so that I, when I told people we'll talk about it, that I felt more confident that we would, <laughs> that I would remember. But two questions that came in that were very, very hand in hand, I okay. felt, all right. And seasonally applicable was what do you think of Harry Potter and having your kids read Harry Potter? Well you know, like what how how into Harry Potter are we? And then B what do we do about Halloween? And those two things are actually pretty close. I mean it's related. topically related. They're related. So one thing about Harry Potter that was I think in the question was kind of that many people who who reject Harry Potter also reject Narnia. Yeah. As like any kind of fantasy or Nate's books. Right. They would reject all of that. Mm-hmm. That would be the people who's, um just anti-fantasy in general. But now, I feel like it's important for me to say that I have not read the Harry Potter books. Um, I think it's important for me to say I read one when it first
0: came out, I think Ben and I read it together, like, ages ago. Like, mm-hmm. really a long time ago. I It was probably not when it first came out. It was probably when she was on book three or something. Yeah. And so, we read it, and I wasn't in any way swept up in it. It was just sort of like, hmm. And then we watched some of the movies, and I, I think we made it to movie three or four. I dislike the movies. And so, the thing is, is I, when I see people who freak out about Harry Potter... I'm not on board with those people because I think they're being simplistic. But then when I see people who are all in can't imagine what anyone could ever find to object to in Harry Potter, I right. think they're also being simplistic. Totally. And I think that there's um Lewis and Tolkien's theory, their well it's not what would you call it? Their position, I guess, on magic is actually really quite profound, and I think that it is, basically describes the difference between Narnia and Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and I think that if it's, if you're just rejecting everything because there's magic in it, as Nate is so fond of pointing out, our brother who writes fantasy,
1: um, With magic the in Bible it. Yeah. has
0: magic in it.
1: Yeah. You have, and loads of it. Not like it's not like and just we, occasional.
0: And, no, and we sometimes wave a a different word at it and think that solves the problem. Well actually like we just like now we say read miracles. It's a miracle. Well, there's and we miracles feel better, we feel better about that. There's
1: miracles, but then there's also stuff that's really that's genuinely part of the world that God made. Like and it's not like we just have been reading Leviticus and that that whole woman accused of adultery, like mm-hmm. meaning to drink the, like they write the, the accusations and then the dust from the floor and then they write the accusation on a tablet and sweep that off into it and then she drinks the bitter water and if she's guilty, her thigh will rot and her belly will swell. And if she isn't guilty, she can still conceive children. And her thigh will not rot. I noticed
0: it says she will
1: consume children. Yeah, it said, like, like, actually, like, she will be vindicated. No, it seemed like, it seemed like if she was falsely accused, she will be vindicated or something. But, like, if you've ever heard
0: our brother talk, I'm sure you've heard him use this example. But, like, the premier wizard duel. The first wizard duel in literature, really. It's like, Moses taking on the sorcerers of Egypt oh yeah and And they they all I
1: love that moment I love that they give up and throw in the towel over like the gnats yeah, they can't do like it. the gnats. They're like, we cannot. It must be his God is greater Can't great do
0: exoskeletons. Us.
1: <laughs> it's like they did the the staff to a snake. They do water into blood.
0: Water into blood, and they don't pretend to. That's the thing. When you it go, does, the Prince of Egypt has them like
1: yeah, tricky, right? They're pretending. to yeah. do it. no, but it, it doesn't say that their no. staffs turned into snakes and. Right. But the thing
0: is, is that they were clearly on the evil team. They were doing bad sorcery. Mm -hmm. But it's like, but you have Moses who is throwing his staff on the ground and it's turning into a snake. And and we say, say, oh, but it's a miracle, you see. And then what they're doing over there is sorcery and it's wrong. And that's actually entirely true. But what Lewis and Tolkien said... Is that it's a question of authority? It's do you have the authority to do the thing you're doing? And of course, when the apostles or when Christ mm-hmm. would heal people, or you know, when the, the prophets would raise someone from the dead, or you know, whatever it's the it difference is, between... they had the authority to do it. They were not manipulating nature, and the and
1: so what. Lewis and they and weren't Tolkien trying to said, steal a power from something, right? They weren't cheating, which is why, like, you man has the authority to. Uh, the authority to work in medicine and trying to heal wounds. But man does not have the authority to be trying to create life or create eternal life or get into, like, all of those super terrible-tastic science experiments that are right. happening around, like, you know, whatever gross thing they're doing with stem cells and, and sure. aborted babies and all of this stuff. That's an area that man has no authority to be doing that. Like, that is dark... That is a dark practice right. instead of... And I
0: think we all... We instinctively know the difference because we do use the word miracle to describe a person who has been given the authority by God to do the thing they're doing. And they're not accomplishing it by means of incantations and yeah. special mm-hmm. brouhaha's that they did at the dead of the night with a dead crow and stuff. Yeah. You know, like that is the sort of sorcery that is condemned in scripture and it is genuinely condemned in scripture and it was punishable by death.
1: It's condemned so hard that it's like have nothing to do with any person who is in, because there was also, it was also in Leviticus. I want to, oh man, it was probably in the 20 ish, somewhere in there about the person who's trying to consult with mediums and doing you know like if there's any kind of someone trying to do that it's not a little bit condemned it's not like it's it's not like be careful it's like have nothing to do with this person and cast them out totally
0: i do think that um we do instinctively know the difference and so what we do is we say well these are miracles and that's magic and the magic is bad and the miracles are good but you have to see that in some instances it's the exact same thing like when moses turns his staff to a snake and they turn their staffs to a snake moses was right and they were wrong yes because he had the authority from god to do it and so lewis and tolkien both preserve the distinction in their work Mm -hmm. um but they lump it all under the heading of there's good magic and
1: then there's the dark magic right there's the bad magic um and Harry well, like, Potter. One, appears... instance, one instance of that would be in The Magician's Nephew when um, Diggory is has to go get the apple. Yeah. And there's that whole thing about, about not climbing the wall. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like where it's yeah. this it's the tree of life yeah. basically. But it is like you have to go through the gate. Isn't no, that what it is? is? And the... the witch is the one who climbed climbs the wall. The wall. Yeah. And and there is a there is this this like a tremendous gift can be given to you if you're obedient. But if you're not obedient that you're trying to see something that doesn't belong to you, it's stolen. Yeah.
0: But the person who's doing little incantations and things in in Narnia is the bad witch. It's not Peter, Susan, Edmund and Lucy are not mixing up brews and casting no, spells. No, but Lucy has like her little she has potion, the she has a cordial. And then you have um you have the ram and do and stuff. But even, where that,
1: but even Lucy's cordial was not, she wasn't making it. She was given it. it. It was a thing that she was given. Right. So so basically that distinction is preserved in Lewis. And it's I, th- it I want to say that it's not just preserved in Lewis. It's taught yes. in Lewis. He goes the distance of making your kids understand that more by having been reading these things. He's not blurring lines.
0: Yes. And when, when in uh, Prince Caspian... Is it Nickabrick who wants to bring in all of the the hags? Yeah, and it's the like werewolves? whoever whoever is fighting against he wants yeah. to bring them in, and and it's sort of like absolutely not. That's that's clearly over the line. And in Tolkien, it's I think it's um, probably a far more precise, but also you have to read a lot more to understand what he's doing there because you of course have Gandalf who seems like right on the surface, well, he's a wizard and he has a wand and he does stuff. But I think if you delve into Tolkien, which I have never s- stuck it through the Silmarillion, <laughs> but some people have, and they've told me <laughs> these things. And um, that if you if you go through all of Tolkien's stuff, Gandalf is an angel, right? right? Isn't that the thing? And so there, he still has the authority question hammered out. Whereas, like, even in Tolkien, the, the manipulation of nature and everything is the wrong kind of sorcery, the evil right. kind of sorcery. And so for both Tolkien and Lewis, they had a very specific and but they thought also, through they, not just position that but on they it. also had
1: a personal understanding of it and and God. Like so they were not they had a clear yes. thought process. And, and they they, they yeah. knew
0: what they were doing and they actually did it very intentionally and thoughtfully. Now Okay, maybe you disagree with them, whatever. But they weren't just
1: writing stories and inventing whatever the heck. Right. They believed that and I even I think it's in okay fiction, for us to say, Nate has said, like, since our brother actually has written fantasy, which, if your kids have, we love it. Like, we love this. And I I often say I think I would be a big fan even if I wasn't related to him. So, oh, I totally know, would. you know, I'm like, it's not like we're just being... um weirdly fans because he's our brother they're great so the hundred cupboards series it's just excellent And once
0: we said his name and people couldn't understand what we're saying
1: n dot d like dot wilson nate wilson n d for david so there you go yeah so he had um one of the things that he does so there's all kinds of magic there's all kinds of stuff happening But it is, the point is that the story be true on a fundamental level. Like, be true to, um... Even in fiction, it still has to be true. Yeah. It has to be deeply true. It has to be true on the fundamental lines. Like, the lines of loyalties and, you know... So, I don't think you could write a story in
0: an imaginary world where you invented all of the... You invented all of the terrain and you gave it funny like the sky is purple and the mountains are yellow and you just do it all, but in that imaginary world, betrayal is a positive good and adultery is a virtue. Yeah. It's like, no, just because you're creating an imaginary just world Because you're making it up doesn't, doesn't mean you're allowed to make it you up. You can't break the deep the deep laws of this world that God embedded, you can't break those just because it's an imaginary world you made up. And I tend to think that Harry Potter Is not nearly as well informed or, um, I I would, I don't reject it because, oh no, magic. No. Because, like, I just think about simplistic, but I also don't think that she understands.
1: No, what because she's doing. but we know that she does. We know that she doesn't understand it on a fundamental level because that's a matter of public record. But it is also. But also, it when is also Christians true. object
0: to it and they say, "Look, sorcery is condemned in Scripture," they have a good point.
1: Yeah, because it's not. It's if you say about Narnia. Sorcery is condemned in scripture. It's like, yes, and it's also condemned in Narnia. Like, it is... That's the bad side there. And and in Tolkien, that's true too. The thing that is... I have not read Harry Potter. We have... uh, Our oldest, I think at least, has read a couple of them. But she read them so she could discuss them with classmates and people. So we have not facilitated getting into Harry Potter in a deep way. No like, I uh,
0: we've had kids read them but I think that that's also important because um, when our kids get to be you know junior high high school age it's time for us to be teaching them how to think about things. Yeah not like you may not read that. Yeah and you can't more teach them like, how to think about stuff mm-hmm. if you don't ever let them think about it. And so right. but it's important to guide them to guide them through it and and not just turn them loose and I I really dislike I feel like there's a sort of a I don't know is it a subgroup it's a part of our culture I think dominantly women frequently christian that have this idea that if if it's a book it's virtuous if you're a bookworm it's a virtue if you're a reader it's amazing and if you love the library you're incredible and it's like i would never just turn the kids no. loose at the library it's like no, are you the joking library me? is just a, a den of evil over i mean there. now my kids are old enough but i mean when they were little it's like no it's terrible, no way like the library is not a safe place no it's full of lies and terrible stuff <laughs>
1: yeah i still remember all us going to the library with that and having to bring our books you know mm-hmm. and he would look at them to see if we were going if we could check them out or not you know like like that's going to be And a of course no we go. were
0: allowed to peruse the shelves but you know the kind of people who just feel like a library if is a safe place to kids If my kids are hanging out the at the library
1: then that's good I yeah. think I think a thing that I want to say with Harry Potter is I'm not especially whizzed up about Harry Potter either direction we would be we would not let our kids become fascinated with it they are not, like, we have not had any child care for it that much. Like, you know, like, where they're just kind of... Uh-huh. But it's it's very similar to what we have done with Disney movies or whatever, where we let them watch it, uh-huh. but we're like, guys, this is not our people. Like, this is not, this. these are not the songs of our people. This is, <laughs> this is not what we're all about. You know what I mean? Like, we want you to watch it with a critical eye and not be spoon fed you know not just not just and see
0: and i know when like when hunger games was going around years ago um and and the kids were in discussions with friends all the time about hunger games and so it's like yeah we need to we need to actually find out about it so first ben just read it and then he had our oldest You know, read it and then they talked about it and talked about what's wrong with it and here's how you can talk to your friends about it and Mm -hmm. these are the reasons we object and see here's how she sucks you in as an author and see what Mm -hmm. she does well and see what she does poorly but see that's the kind of thing that we try and do with our kids in movies and in books and in music and you know like the school our kids are at that's what we're trying to do in classes is like okay here's a thing and it's flawed and we can appreciate The craft, or we can look at the artistry, or whatever. But we can also notice the flaws, and sometimes the flaws are bad enough that we just say, "Yeah, this one's not worth it." Not really worth. But in the end, like, well, we read it because we wanted to show you how it isn't worth it. But you know, like, there there are times when you say, "Yeah, the flaws outweigh the benefits." There are times when the benefits outweigh the flaws, but it's still important to note the flaws. Uh And and I think that. Oftentimes we want this toggle on or off switch, where either it's wonderful and I will admit of no criticism to it ever, and I will get very huffy if anyone ever does. Yeah, or, or just it's out. evil, and anyone who reads it is evil.
1: Right. And I don't feel that way about. I don't feel that way about those things. I do remember that when we were little and uh, Home Alone came out, and <laughs> I remember Dad walking us through the concepts of Home Alone. Home alone and I think actually now I can't no, remember. No, he didn't.
0: I think you freewheeled this one yourself.
1: No, no. No. I we watched it and talked about it. I know we talked about it because but I was younger. It's possible you didn't need to have been talked about <laughs> home alone and I did. Whatever the case. Whatever the case. I remember Dad saying in a different context, don't say it is a great movie with some bad parts like if there's a part we're fast forwarding or something and he was like don't like let's not call it a winner with a few Uh or as dad likes to say how many slugs do you need to find in your salad before it's not a good salad anymore (laughs) like if you find a major slug would you be like it's a totally delicious salad it's a pity about that pity about the slug and then if you start running into multiple slugs how how hard are you gonna try with this salad? <laughs> and um but anyways I remember a, a friend a pastor's wife, um, my friend's mom asked me, she said, Oh, you saw Home Alone, how was it? And me busting out all my all my Johnny on the spotness <laughs> with what I learned was like it was a really bad movie with some good parts. <laughs> Don't let me hastily recommend Home Alone to you. There may have been something in it that was not good, and there was something in it that was not good. Anyways, all that is to say, and then Halloween is another yeah, version so of as this far as merging that, like, into Halloween. Harry Potter.
0: Though to just land it is that I think we in general feel like we Isn't would not movies? wholeheartedly endorse it. We would also not simplistically reject it, but we are also not super enthused right. the about thing, it.
1: The thing that I super minded in the movies, but of course it's been years since I saw them, so good luck with me pulling out specifics. But I felt like no one was all the way evil, and no one was all the way good. Like, like there, everyone was constantly shifting. You know what I mean? Like, the person who's like the villain, then is actually okay. Like, Like, there was never just a clear... Evil and good. It was very difficult to find that. That's what I'm saying. Mm, I know that there is some arch villain in the in it. I think, but the point is just that there were a lot of people and players, and that were like on again, off again, good or evil, and you never really knew. And I can see why. That's kind of difficult. I can see why
0: it appealed to people because it's quite a like. Uh, It's a grand. It's It's a fun setting and just a grand scale random trivia when we lived in Oxford my husband's college was Christchurch in Oxford and the Harry Potter dining hall from the movie was filmed in the dining hall in Christchurch which is where it's basically just the cafeteria where he could have eaten three meals a day if he wanted but he lived but off site since and so, he was
1: not a crazy Harry Potter fan no, he did but
0: not occasionally people would try and sneak into the college in costume but <laughs> it really was quite a fabulous place to go eat dinner so we would go for high dinner sometimes and we would try and take guests and it was always really fun because it is an amazing spot and a terrific place to go have a formal dinner and we were served boar one time and rabbit one time and and yeah, yeah, it was amazing, fun. it was really fun and they wear academic robes and the whole thing So it was great and that's my Okay so moving on though to the Halloween Moving on to the
1: Halloween thing Is that we Do Kind of Do Halloween But in our own way We do it in the way that is Trigger treating for the little people Who were dressed up as Something like a gypsy or an astronaut We do not Do any of the Ghoulish, scary, uh witchy. Well,
0: and this is goes back to like when we were little. that I remember Dad's description is we don't dress up as the other team. No, we don't be. Them. And the other team would be the ones
1: Nickabrick likes. Yeah, the so, hags and the werewolves. So and, from the direction of, so our kids because it's actually a total blast to take them trick or treating. It's really fun with the little kids. We we enjoy that. Uh, but our kids are outgrowing that very quickly, but the little ones we just do the loop with them, you know, dressed up as cowboys, you know, and they mm-hmm. run and say thank you to yeah. people you know and we used and, to
0: have a fall carnival that was always around Halloween that was sort of a refer well sort of no, a reformation Day It was is just sort a, of a fall carnival it was just a sort of Halloween. Fall carnival,
1: yeah. Then they would have a costume contest. They did do that this year. They just did it at the end of September. And we didn't care enough about it to do that. But But they, they would
0: do group costume contests. And my children with a cousin. And this totally killed me. Ben and I were out of town. It was a few years ago. And it was pretty awesome. And they won. I think they won the prize on this one they were a group <laughs> they were a group costume and they went as a McDonald's french fry container and so they, they made up well they
1: went as the fries well, in the container well they were the yellow fries yeah.
0: inside the container so they all, <laughs> it looked pretty, it looked pretty good they were hilarious, they, yeah, they nailed the french fry container, but so, that's the
1: thing is we don't like all the dress part, up as, on the part where the undead, no and we don't, we don't entertain ourselves with the zombies in the witches and the etc no. etc cetera, et cetera. and it's not it's mostly just because we always think you know proverbs uh wisdom speaking to those who hate me love death like that whatever fascination that is is not from the lord it's like, not a healthy one it's not a good one it's just not it's like there's something weird happening there that a culture is so fascinated with halloween yeah. Cause that's gone way it used to be when i was a kid only the extreme creep todd houses would have <laughs> actually had like a dead hand in the yard yeah it's you know like far better and now it's gotten to be a thing that is like what I everyone's think it's just into. because
0: every it's another chance to sell commercially sort of manufactured
1: kitsch to yeah, everyone luke commented though that he's like oh humans they love liturgy I was like it is actually really true. It's like it's the fall. What do we do in the fall? Like we get out, we get out skeletons. our gross stuff, and we stick it all over the outside of <laughs> the house. And my kids, my kids are always like, something is wrong with that family because when you drive by one yeah. that had, there's one in town right now that has like, um, like a dog kennel or something in the yard with two, like kid dolls inside of it like kids trying to get out of a cage yeah, it's and just, you're like why would you decor your
0: house it's really gross it's like that. it's a really gross side yeah. of our culture and i do think that the more diseased our culture gets the more the pussy sores are starting to show <laughs> and it seems like that's what we've that might got be what happening, we have happening with no. halloween but, I but mean, anyways that's a chance to eat carameled apples in the fall dressed as a
1: skunk is pretty fun it's great that's what we do is we live <laughs> we live the dream of running around getting candy from strangers for a little short minute and then we wrap it yeah. up but
0: but we just don't <laughs> do ghosts and we don't do witches and we don't do skeletons and we don't do
1: all that stuff because i the have the same to say reason that, that we object to,
0: that, to sorcery yeah. but totally apart team.
1: totally apart from the yuckiness of halloween trick or treating is a hilariously fun cultural practice which yeah. is like the designated night where we all buy candy to give to kids in costume is an amazing it's it is a great thing and so that side I'm like oh no that's that like keep that scrap all the other stuff but keep that so yeah and that way we do celebrate Halloween so okay so then um, how much time do we, we have say? left what are we looking at here Woo, we have a few minutes
0: We're kind of just hitting the collage tonight. Oh, oh, okay.
1: We had another question. Oh, I'm doing it, guys. I yawned. I'm always yawning while podcasting. (laughs) Gotta stop it. Okay. Okay. Somebody asked us about our our last PG-13 episode. Oh, yeah. In which we shot the moon and (laughs) said the unspoken truth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and that came up about the... um, Somebody asked about the origin of "Bonnie and Buxom in bed," so I went and looked that up, and uh-huh. it is, uh, oh, of course now I'm not gonna remember. In it changed that phrase is where we get to love, honor, and obey was tr- the Bonnie and Buxom in bed and board was changed to love, honor, and obey, but Bonnie would mean like good or good-natured kind of, and nice. I think Buxom was obedient, and so that they. The obey was oh, uh, like. Which but is. Bonnie has a side to it
0: that's. Like, we all know what we mean when we say that is a really bonnie little baby.
1: You know, like, yeah, it's. Yeah.
0: We don't mean. No, it's actually. I saw and somewhere. Sallow. No,
1: somewhere it was described as having good air. Okay. Like yeah. having an ambiance it, of pleasantness. Yeah, it's like, cheerful and fun cheerful and cute. Bonnie. It's, like a bonnie, a bonnie little wife would not be. The one who the is... uptight proof. No, it's not going to be her. And then buxom was not specifically... barmaid-esque. <laughs> not <laughs> speaking of your physical appearance. But it did mean obedient. Which is actually uh-huh. really interesting to me. Because I think there's probably some really interesting word origins there that linguistic yeah because because the thing that's interesting is that now if you said someone was buxom you're really just talking about anatomical (laughs) truths (laughs) at that point but but that thing that i think is interesting is that it it did say it doesn't the fact that it was not meaning your actual body shape does not matter at all the fact that you're promising to be good and obedient in bed yeah, and, and bored is not subtle now the this was changed I think by Cranmer is the one who okay. who did love honor and obey but the the thing is is like this is the, I'm pretty sure the way I we ever heard of those vows was through a historic narrative of a Puritan's Wedding, you know, like it was someone still sure. using the older vows, so it was not like a specifically Puritan vow, but it was definitely still in that time period. Sure, that could have still been in circulation. So we did check, we fact checked. We never knew we were gonna bring that up, so <laughs> we didn't fact check it in didn't advance. Come with us we didn't note. come. We just pop off as we go. So uh, that was that. And then somebody did ask about even though we were laughing ourselves sick over (laughs) over Over some of the things. Some of the things that some of us might have called people it's it's, (laughs) may (laughs) or may not. Might have have let something slip out there and um, but this is this is the thing that it was sort of like um, what about wives who are really like this is really hard because they want to be a fun cheerful loving wife but they just don't want to be you know, like they want to be, but they're struggling constantly that the, against that the sexual flesh. sexual relationship is difficult. And that they are constantly struggling against the flesh. Even like, and I say the flesh because they were not, it was not a more complicated situation other than just yourself. You know, not like. Just not being Not interested. past damage, not all this other stuff. Just that this is hard for me and I don't want to. To do, to do this yeah. but I want to be the kind of wife who doesn't struggle with this like it's just that that combination um, and one of the things there are just a few things that I thought we could we were mostly on the laughing side of this and as Becca said <laughs> we're the, the real Becca and Rachel sex tip as episode is happening never <laughs> that that's not the one that we're don't doing don't hold your breath for that don't hold your breath there but there but the, the thing that the some of the principles I think are really helpful to to look at objectively. One of them, um, one of the things I, I'll take it out of the context of sex and into like a serious dating relationship. Not, um, not like you've been dating for a long time, but if a guy is seriously interested in marriage and asks a girl out for coffee, and they both know that this is serious, not joking. Do you know what I mean? Like this is not just like. Sure. They both know that we're pursuing marriage. Okay. Right. We know because this is common in our community. That that our people are not dating until they are serious about marriage. So in our church community. Um, and so sometimes what happens is a guy asks a girl to go get a coffee. And she's like. But if he wants to move to Minnesota, I'm not sure I can go. You know, like, and you're like, wait a minute, but can you go to coffee with him? Like, nobody's right. asking you to move across the world yet. Yeah. You just, we just need to And he, like, he might not ask you turns to move across out, the world. Turns out he isn't proposing today turns out he wants to go out to coffee. So that, that whole, the fact that the stakes are high in the sense that they're, they're not high, but the fact that the, that the serious conversation is on the table yeah, can make you race ahead 50 steps. Yeah. And the reason I, and then worry about something that you don't have the grace for, because why would you have <laughs> the grace for that right now? Because the Lord is not going to give you the grace for being this man's wife with three children away from your family when you are really just needing the grace to go out on a date with them. So <laughs> like how, you know, like you're looking for something. And I think that this principle applies, uh, in marriage because any kind of affection from your husband, a wife can read it as, I'm not in the mood right now. And it's like, what, mm. you're not, you're not in the I mood. I really
0: wondered where you were going with that. I'm now glad, I'm well, I'm glad I've you.
1: looped you in now. But I'm saying your husband can just be being affectionate to you and you're rejecting that as a, I know what you're thinking, you know, (laughs) like, don't, I don't want to move to Minnesota. You like I'm not, and, and it's just immediate, like, I reject that. But the question is not, he's not. You know, it's basically like basically this is an unfolding... Up and the portcullis down, and throwing hot oil <laughs> from above because because <laughs> the the you're thinking this is going nowhere I want to go. But the reality is that the the question is, can you follow him with what he's actually asking of you right now? Which is, and if like looking at you affectionately, could you just maybe cope with that? You know, like, could you just maybe, you know, like in that whole relationship instead of being like jumping way ahead in the story to say, I'm not in the mood why don't you just see if you can be responsive to what actually is happening in this moment and be friendly here and not worry about it you know like not be constantly worrying about the future I mean
0: I don't want to get overly tangled here but the truth is with your analogy where it falls apart is that
1: if you're married then he probably is asking you to move to Minnesota yeah but no but that's but But the reality is still... that (laughs) I love that we have a code. A code. (laughs) You know, scare quotes moving to to Minnesota. It's
0: not like you're being like crazy town to think that that's what's happening. No, and
1: actually I think if you don't have a problem being a responsive and pleasant wife... Then that's not really something that you need to probably work on. But I'm my, just saying you might not need the grace for it right now, but you might need
0: the grace for it in 21 minutes. I'm so, just
1: saying, break this down into smaller steps. Which is, can I be loving and responsive in this moment, rather than, oh sure. my goodness, I'm not ready sure. to like, like just, just as long as you realize that, then you're
0: going to have to be sweet no, about it in one minute from now.
1: Yeah, but I think what I'm trying to say is do the <laughs> obedience of right now instead of worrying that you don't have the obedience for 10 minutes from now sure like That's you, like yeah. just as long
0: as you're willing to acknowledge that i it's all
1: moving to minnesota <laughs> you've signed on the dotted line you're moving to minnesota <laughs> every marriage is moving to minnesota you're, or you better be. Or, or, or if you're not, you're not a band. But this is... This is, this is quite the code that we've worked on. It's, it's elaborate. It's elaborate. Okay, okay, this is another story that tickles me, Dad. So I bought one of my youngest children a Hannah Anderson sweatshirt that was... So much the favorite. It was in the favorite color. It was the hoodie of dreams, okay. and in this moment of rapturous joy, <laughs> the first day of wearing this hoodie, said child strolls through the living room with a big hole in the front of it, like a, a snippy, <laughs> a hole, like like the size of a nickel, probably, <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, whoa. When did that happen? Like what happened? And it was like, um, got a hole. I'm like, well, how did this happen? And as the plot points unfold, it seems that this child was so taken with their hoodie, like so fond, and felt like it was so nice and thick that he checked if it was too thick to cut through with a pair of scissors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Turns out it wasn't. Up, nope, that Hannah Anderson. Any
1: this gave right in to a pair of scissors, snipped on the front. But the thing that at the time I was like I have no idea what this is a metaphor for but it is a metaphor for something like but <laughs> there's then, something
0: deeply human then, about it. yeah there is there's like I this, love weird... this thing so much I snipped a hole yeah time. but I was
1: actually thinking about that in the romantic relationship that women do that all the time with like I love this man so much and I love the idea of This marriage being a happy marriage, and I love the concept of us doing a good job. But I wonder if he really loves me so much that even if I snip it, it won't break. (laughs) Like, even, even like testing. It's like I'm going to be ugly and rude. And And if he he... cares for me, (laughs) then I will come out of this with no holes in the front of my favorite hoodie. (laughs) <laughs> Turns out that this relationship can be sabotaged and you no. can, you can be doing things that are deeply wounding to your husband in a, what you think is just a test of his love for you. Yeah. You know, like where you're, you're like, well, to- if you really love me. It's I like, could be the ugliest thing ever, and yeah. you would not
0: flinch. It's kind of, I'm going to start dropping this off higher and higher balconies just to see, just if to it check. Because I
1: bet, but like thinking that that's actually the right way to test the strength no, of the garment. It is
0: very much a sort of tendency of the flesh is mm-hmm. to do that, and to you're try right. it in a completely unnatural like, way to it's like, test it. Like, it's like well, it snipped through on the front, but what if I snip it on the sleeve and, and then be like,
1: wolf. Well, That's lame. (laughs) Man, this this sweatshirt is nothing good after all. No, because I went at it with a pair of scissors and it got a hole. And you want to and you want to judge your husband like he's supposed to be some kind of a incredible. I just like that we're basically taking metaphors to the level of wear a
0: sweatshirt to Minnesota, <laughs> but don't but don't cut holes in Do it. not cut holes in your sweatshirt on your way to Minnesota. Cuz we all know you're going there. <laughs> One step at a time. You're One- going to need to be sweet all the way. <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, what I'm saying is that's a very specifically feminine relationship challenging technique Mm -hmm. is to be like, well, what if I say something wildly mean and demeaning and disrespectful? Will he still turn around and say, you're so beautiful (laughs) when you're angry? (laughs) And then you're like, I just can't believe that he couldn't tell me I'm beautiful at such a time as that when yeah. I was cutting holes in the sweatshirt. I do think that sweatshirt. if there
0: was a class for men they could put together a lot of flashcards of when, <laughs> 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 when your wife gives you a fat face and says something rude, here's what she means. <laughs> Instead of what she said, she means something
1: very different than that. She's looking for. She's looking for a uh, affection or, yeah. but that's what I've said this before on the podcast. And I think it's just nice wifing. It's something that I try to do. I'm not saying I excel at this, but when I know what I need, mean, I try mm. to just say it instead of, no, instead, instead of, of trying dropping to get it, Well, instead of trying to get it through other methods, like, I, and it makes you feel like, man, are you ever cutting some of the drama out? But yeah, mm-hmm. you know what? Everyone in the world appreciates someone just saying, you know what? I think I'm just feeling needy and tired. No. And I can, need no. you to tell me that you like the work I'm doing because <laughs> that would help me today. No, you're right. Because Instead of saying you never say anything nice about what I'm doing or you know like because then it turns into a completely different discussion like you're trying to get the person to say the thing but you're fishing for compliments the the fishing for compliments by
0: means of dropping random bait in the water but then
1: and then what you pull up is sometimes a big chunk of algae because you were you were fishing you were fishing for something who knows what and what you get back is well maybe your laundry system isn't that great but see here's the
0: (laughs) trick is that women instinctively know what to say in these instances so if if your friend says oh i'm just feeling so fat then you say to her, what? "Are you crazy? crazy? What's happening?" You're and if crazy. you say to your husband, oh, "I'm just feeling so fat," He's like, and well, he you says, should "Exercise and more, eat less." Says, well, what if you What if you join Weight Watchers and you're like, "Have
1: you no heart? What is wrong with you? Don't, Don't you, you even me? Now. <laughs> ah! like me?" Oh! Like, I can't believe you said I was fat. <laughs> Which he didn't say. No. He said maybe you should diet and exercise.
0: Because you said, one of my big problems is one I'm feeling things, fat.
1: The thing that most afflicts me today is my fatness. And then what, and what he's happened? Like, well, what happened to that old plan you the had? The
0: thing that he did wrong was he believed what you said with your <laughs> words. <laughs> and you're like, and this is where you're like, I can't believe. <laughs>
1: Heartless. Heartless man.
0: I know. know. And so that's why I think that if the men were getting together, we could put together a deck of Mm flashcards. When your wife says she's fat, she
1: means, could you please tell me I'm pretty? How about you give me a hug and say that you like me? (laughs) That would do it. That would be the ticket. But I've said this before, too. I think that the real temptation is that we like to dabble in drama. And so sometimes... sometimes women just want to be the star of their own show
0: and they want to have it not just dabble in drama they They want want to wallow splash about
1: they want to be a water buffalo of drama (laughs) in
0: minnesota no they want to be a water buffalo anywhere but minnesota (laughs) the water buffalo refuses
1: to proceed to minnesota all you Minnesota, Snipping all you <laughs> all of you Minnesota listeners are really feeling like you've you've made it to the top now. <laughs> uh, sorry about it, guys. But but the point is just that sometimes the idea behind throwing a tantrum like that, where you just wall up and and refuse to be comforted, is is the idea there is wanting to test. Everyone else's affection for you, yes. because because then your husband was like, "Well, if we're gonna be like that. I'm gonna go do something else." And it's like, "How could he? How yeah. could he walk when he away?" Knows from me? That I'm hurting. When he knows that I'm sitting here making ugly faces at him, <laughs> <laughs> how could he walk away from this precious show? Because this is surely the best thing going. I can't imagine anyone <laughs> wanting to look at ESPN when when there's such an option as this. And then you go, and then you go tell your friends, and they're like, "If he loved you, he would know better than that." And you're like, "I don't know. I think if you were being a good person, if you were loving him, this wouldn't have come to such a pass as this. <laughs> wouldn't have had to have oh, such a level twelve crisis.
0: Goodness sakes. All right. Oh, and sometimes if you just go to Minnesota, it will
1: avert some of the problems." <laughs> that's so true though because the reality is stop worrying about how you feel in the moment and just yeah. say like what's my duty right now and yeah. and don't, don't do the thing like I, I mean don't do the like where you just c- calculate like I don't have enough in my reserves to get me through you know like where you're like I couldn't possibly deal yeah. with this well you know what you know what takes a lot of energy is living in an unhappy marriage Oh, like, my word. Yeah. And like if you're concerned that you don't have the time or energy to physically love your husband. Then just consider whether it's worth the time and energy it's going to take as a couple needing to go get no. counsel. And, and dealing is, with this and having all these issues. If
0: there's times where you just feel like you've run out. You know like you're there's no more oil in the jar. It's like pray that God would would what it was it, Elijah the widow with the oil yeah. that didn't run out
1: mm. just pray God will do that Elisha? I think it was Elijah. I think it was a
0: ja. I think yeah, it was Elijah was. and it was um, just, just pray that God will will just and and honestly if you're trying to be obedient and that's what you're asking for it's a prayer God always answers but isn't that the truth? he really does and I want to just
1: say here it's one
0: of the times where you can know you're praying in the will of God isn't that the
1: truth? And and the thing is is a, another thing that used to be in wedding vows, which is funny, that we somehow dropped it like it was gauche to talk about <laughs> such things at the at the wedding vow, which is kind of the whole point of the of the marriage is uh that it was a provision against the flesh. Like yeah. that marriage is a provision against the flesh. And the amazing thing is yes, it's a provision against the man's Lusts and fleshly desires that he has a wife, but it is also a provision against yours that you have to keep not, you know, being the goddess of your own narrative, (laughs) (laughs) that you have to give yourself, you know, like that. That is a provision against. Your flesh, yeah. too, it's not like you're just there, so your husband won't be as tempted. He no. is also there no. so that you will be kept in like yep. this is a mutual thing, and that it is good for you and it's good for him, and it's not something that it is it is holy and undefiled you and know if
0: this is like if this is the thing that you are sticking on in your life or if it's one of the things you're sticking on that it's basically like. I don't want to be sacrilegious here or blasphemous, but well, it's try not like to be. God is, is, I can't say God is your personal trainer, but if you think of it that way, it's like, here is the, the exercise I need you to get good at. Mm-hmm. We are going to focus in on something and you're going to, you're going to learn how to do this well. And it's because I have another end in mind. in mind for you mm-hmm. and so just decide that if this is the exercise that is in front of you that you're going to to actually attempt to become good you're at going
1: it. to embark on the journey you're gonna and, what a, and give one of the things shot. and one of the things that you have to acknowledge at the outset is that you should say if i'm married this is going to be a part of my life yeah and why don't we just decide now to have it be a non-dramatic part of my life to have it be Thank you.